Well, good morning, everyone. Today we get to dive into Genesis. It's exciting. Uh, Joel mentioned a f- couple weeks ago that I was going to be miming the first three chapters of Genesis. And I was all ready last week, but then we were snowed out, so, you know, we'll just have to do a semi-normal introduction. Uh, so if you'll join me in prayer, and let's get started. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just uh, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for, for making us, creating us, for creating this world. Um, Lord, help us to, to see more of you today. Help us to see your glory and help us to be changed by it. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you know, we just finished going through the book of James, which is, uh, it's always a challenging book, right? It's, uh, it's a book that asks us to, to look at what we believe and live accordingly, right? So to preparing messages on that topic is always convicting. You know, it's hard to call people to a, a standard that you're very aware that you fall short of. Uh, you know, it's a, always convicting to hear messages on it. Uh, and, and Genesis is going to be similar, right? It's, it's a book that asks us to, to look very closely at what we believe, to, to look at our worldview. And it will also ask us to be changed. Uh, Genesis, uh, just as, as the whole Bible does, it, it's a book that tells us a lot about who God is, right? It, it gives us glimpses of, of God's character and his works and things he's done. It also tells us a lot about people and our nature and, and who we are. Uh, so this morning we're doing kind of a, a broad overview of Genesis. Maybe cover Genesis 1-1 and then um, but, but more talk about it generally. We'll actually spend probably more time in John this morning than, than Genesis uh, specifically. Uh, so the word Genesis comes from the, the Greek word for origins. Obviously, Genesis is the beginning. It's all about the beginning and the foundation. Uh, and, and you see, as it's the beginning, it's, it's obviously important. Right? And you see that reflected in the rest of Scripture. Okay, Genesis is quoted and referenced uh, throughout the Bible. You know, in the New Testament alone, it's quoted over 35 times. It's referenced, uh, just the first 11 chapters are referenced over 100 times in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus talks about just Genesis 1 through 7, 15 different times. And it, and it covers a lot of time, right, from creation to 1804 B.C. And, and you see a lot of things happening over that time, right? We, it takes us from the creation of all things uh, to the time when Israel joined Joseph in Egypt. And, and so during that time, you see, obviously, the creation, the fall, the flood, uh, the Tower of Babel, the call of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then, and then we get to the story of Joseph and, and how he got sold into slavery in, in Egypt, and that's how he ended up in Egypt, and that's how all Israel ends up in Egypt, and that's where Exodus picks up is with Israel in Egypt. Um, so as a church, we're going to be going through uh, probably the first 12 chapters of Genesis, which will take us to Abraham. And then I think the plan right now is to take a little break and go through another book and then come back, back into Genesis. So there's a lot of themes introduced in Genesis that we see throughout the rest of Scripture. Right, we, right away we're introduced to uh, the Trinity, right, the triune nature of God, uh, humanity, sin, uh, covenant, 
Um, the idea of covenant and promise. We're introduced to, to Satan and angels. Uh, the idea of kingdom, which is a big theme throughout Scripture. Revelation, judgment, blessing. Uh, and then the plan of redemption, which is key, right? That's already introduced in Genesis. And in fact, we're told later that it comes even before the creation. And, and in Genesis, God is revealed as unique, right? And that's, that's important. Uh, you know, where, for example, where you see other, other cultures maybe worshiping the sun, in Genesis, we're told that God created the sun, right? Uh, God, God is utterly unique and created everything. There's no, there's no equal to him, right? Sometimes people feel like, you know, it's, it's good versus evil, or God versus Satan. But no, God, God is God and God is unique and, and everything else is created. Um, we also see Israel being called to be set apart with, you know, with a worldview that's very different from the world around them. And, and that's important for us today because we today are called to have a worldview that's very different from the world around us. And, and sometimes that's a challenge and sometimes we kick back against that, but, uh, but it's still an important call. Uh, so as we go through Genesis over the next few months, uh, it'll look a little different than the normal preaching rotation. So just to give you a heads up, you know, normally we go progressively verse by verse uh, through a book. In Genesis, we, we're probably going to cover the same section of verses a couple weeks in a row with different people coming from different angles. Like, for example, next week Joel's up, and he's basically doing another overview of Genesis and kind of how it ties in with the whole Bible. And, and so we might, you know, cover the same section of verses a couple weeks in a row and, or at least have a lot more overlap. Uh, you know, one more interesting thing with Genesis, you know, as a church, you know, sometimes you talk to people about what book you're going through. You know, you're going through Matthew, people are like, oh, of course, you know, a church going through Matthew, no big deal. You tell, tell people you're going through James, and you get responses like, oh, that's bold, right? You're going to be calling people out. And in Genesis, you know, you tell people Genesis, sometimes you get some excitement, uh, but some people are filled with apprehension. And they're like, oh, Genesis. Like, what do we do about science, right? Like, is this, this going to be embarrassing and awkward? Um, so let's just go ahead and tackle the science question head on right now. Okay, go get them. Okay? <laughs> uh, so first off, when we're willing to, to bend our beliefs to whatever culture around us says at the time, at the, at the moment, or whatever science says about certain things at the moment, right, including the creation of all things, you know, that then we tend to be willing to bend our beliefs about other truths in Scripture. So that's a dangerous thing to do. And it's important to acknowledge and understand that science is a very, very loose term when you talk about the beginning and creation. Right? Science is supposed to be about experimentation and observation, and those things are just impossible with the beginning. Um, you know, sometimes as Christians, even... In the, in the world we live in, even saying the word creation, right, sometimes you'll get people looking at you like you're a fool or that you're ignoring the facts. Uh, but the truth is there are no facts to support like a, a chaos theory of things coming into being. Right? It's just ideas. And then you know, people with those ideas have to add things like millions and billions of years to, to make it seem like, well, eventually you know, this stuff could have happened. And and the truth is, like, no, eventually this stuff couldn't have happened, right? Eventually the world we see around us could not have just 
happened. And, and to say it could have, you know, let's be honest, it requires a whole lot of faith. Um, I would argue it requires a whole lot more faith than it does to believe in, in the Creator God. And, uh, you know, you, just a few weeks ago there was an article I read about how evolution required millions and millions of years and a whole lot of luck. I'm like, you know, when you get into the numbers of, of the amount of luck it would have required, it's, it's beyond impossible. Um, so, you know, sometimes people think of, of, of a biblical view of creation as something that requires suspending our intellect or, you know, putting your mind on the back burner. And, and that's just, it's simply not true. And so we should acknowledge that right at the front. Um, and also, let's acknowledge that science is not at all opposed to Christianity, right? Science is supposed to be seeking out truth. Uh, Christianity is all about truth, right? So there, these are things that aren't opposed but you almost get this feeling in culture like you got to pick either science or faith. Um, there are many scientists today who do believe in the, in the biblical creation account, which, again, you wouldn't know just by, by reading textbooks. Um, in fact, there's many scientists who came to become Christians while studying science, and that's actually what pointed in that direction. Um, and there's, there's still a lot of scientists, though, who refuse to believe. And, and so we've got to ask, well, why is that? And there's a lot of reasons, right? There, uh, there's a lot of um, pressure. There's a, a lot of political pressure, uh, things like that in, the, in that community. And it really acts like a religion in itself in many ways. Um, and I, I think a deeper level is there's a lot of responsibility when we come to learn something to, to act accordingly, right? When we acknowledge... God as creator, uh, then it's difficult to still be your own God and, and to do that honestly, right? Because then what was ignorance becomes willful disobedience. And, and you know, this idea of people seeing, seeing things in, in, in nature or seeing truth and choosing that they want to believe what they believe already or choosing to believe something else is not a new problem, right? You see it in the Gospels. You, know, you see... Uh, how many times in the Gospels do you see Jesus perform a miracle, right? Uh, heal somebody, um, heal, heal the blind, do something undeniably miraculous. And the Pharisees are sitting there complaining that he did it on the Sabbath. Or they're, they're complaining about some other aspect of what he did. And, and they're completely ignoring the miracle, right? They're ignoring what the miracle is pointing them to. And instead, they're focused on, on what they, how they want to interpret it. And uh, today, we have the same thing with science. Right? People are fighting to hold on to, to ignorance and calling it science. And they're, they're fighting to hold on to theories that don't fit because it is a, is a way to deny, to deny God. Um, but the problem is that then they treat theories and ideas as facts and then treat, you know, teach them as such in schools. And, and there's huge implications for all this, right? Ideas have consequences. And so, you know, sometimes as Christians, uh, we're, we're scared to talk about science. And, and part of that is because we, we know that we believe things or maybe we just think we're supposed to believe things that other people will think of as ignorant. But um, the, the fact is we do see the world differently, right? We, we believe that Jesus was died or um, born of a virgin died and rose again. You know, that, 
that takes some faith. And, you know, we, we believe those things on faith, uh, but there is also a whole lot of historical evidence. You know, it's not like it's just blind faith and we're just picking things out of the air to believe. Uh, we also believe that God created the world, and that's an, that's an important thing to, to know and understand. And we don't need to try to find common ground with people who don't believe that by, by ignoring the truth. Okay. Uh, a, little, a little history on science. Uh, did you know that history or science actually started because of the Christian understanding that God made the world in a way it could be understood and invited us to understand it? Yeah, it's a fascinating thing to study. Uh, there's, it's no coincidence the, uh, the scientific revolution, which started in 1550, followed closely on the heels of the Protestant Reformation, in, which started in 1517. Okay, that's because scientific discoveries started on a large scale because people could start reading the Bible for themselves and they realized that God made the world in an orderly way that could be understood. And, and they invited us to understand it. And there's a, there's a great chapter on this in the book that made your world by Vishal Mangalwadi. Um, and it's uh, <laughs> a tough one. <laughs> um, the last two lines of that book say, thus almost all the pioneers of science were Christian and a majority of them were devout Christians. They were laboring for the glory of God. All right, so the, the beginning of science as we know it today was done by people searching out knowledge for the glory of God. Right, so that's an important thing to understand as well. Um, and another interesting thing is scientists will tell you today that the way the earth was made and it's situated, like the, our atmosphere, where we are in the solar system, even the galaxy, we're very uniquely positioned to be able to discover things better than we were if, if some, a few things were just off by a little bit. Um, so then some people might say, okay, well, maybe... Maybe science has outgrown its Christian roots, right? And you would think that by listening to, to many people who, who don't hold that view. Uh, and, you know, people who see maybe evolution as fact instead of as a theory. Uh, but the truth is actually quite the opposite. Okay, there's a quote in, uh, uh, by a scientist in Case for, the, uh, Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel. Okay, and that's, that's another fascinating book. It, he basically t goes through all these different disciplines of science to, to look and research if the latest discoveries are pointing to or away from God. And it says, you know, certainly there have been earlier ages where the culture was more sympathetic toward Christianity, but I think it's indisputable that there has never been a time in history when the hard evidence of science was more confirmatory of a belief in God than today. That sounds like a bold statement, right? But when you go through the evidence, it, it is pretty clear. A uh, few examples. Okay, the, it goes through like how the earth is so finely tuned and, and even just the laws of nature are, are finely tuned exactly how they need to be. Uh, it, you know, you, you look at things like a, like a cell in our body and it's so, so complex. And you know, if you've ever tried to make something, you realize that making something work is, is not as easy as it should be, right? And that, with, with some level of intelligence, okay? Um, I know a couple of people in this church who tried to install dishwashers recently. <laughs> um, 
One of them had it professionally installed, one of them didn't, but neither one went well, right? <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a, a, they didn't have to build the washing, the dishwasher, right? That in itself is a, is a big task. Um, when Shannon and I were first married, we lived in an apartment without a dishwasher, and I really didn't like doing dishes, so I tried to go buy a dishwasher that you could like plug into a faucet, and we got it. And it was just like a squirt gun spinning around. And it did, it did nothing. So I can tell you, like, making a dishwasher is, is no trivial task. But I, to dumb it down even further, I'm talking like you take a dishwasher out of a box and put it in a spot where another dishwasher's already been and plug it in and connect a tube, right? And yet it's still just not that easy, right? Um, and, and so, you know, we live in a world that is so precisely made for us to live in it, that we take it for granted every day. Um, and the, the, the amount of things that, that are so just precisely calibrated is, is unbelievable. And the margin of error for how things could have gone wrong with devastating consequences is, is beyond what we can even think of. Um, another line from Case for a Creator as the laws and constants of physics conspire in an extraordinary way to make the universe habitable for life. For instance, said physicist and astronomer Robert Collins, gravity is fine-tuned to one part in 100 million, billion, 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 billion. Okay. That sounds made up, right? Uh, <laughs> when I was writing my notes, Spellcheck was complaining that billion was being repeated. Um, but it you know, so many zeros, it's a word that, like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even recognize the word for a number that large. And, and scientists say that there's more than 30 parameters that are like that, that have to be exactly as they are for things to work. And, and you know, when you have one that's that impossible, adding a second one is beyond impossible. When you get to 30, yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. It takes an astounding amount of faith to think of all that just happened. Um, so that also is a fascinating study. And the, the science piece is interesting, right? We could spend months and months just going through all the science. Um, but we won't, right? All that to say is that we shouldn't be scared of science, right? But it shouldn't become our focus either, right? Science, Genesis is not ultimately a scientific book, right? It's a book about God. And this, this whole thing is about Jesus, Right? Creation is about much more than how things came to be. It's very much about why things came to be. And, and so as we go through Genesis, we've got to keep in mind that you know, God created everything out of nothing. He created it with a purpose. Okay? God created for love, and he likes what he created. You know, there's, there's people in the world who, who act like uh, or, or think that the spiritual is all that matters, right? The material world doesn't really matter. It's only, only spiritual things. Then you have people, on the other hand, who think the material world is all that there is, and, the, and that's all that exists. In Genesis, we get a different picture, right? We see that God exists outside the material world, but also that God created the material world on purpose and said that it was good and, and enters into it. And... and Another interesting thing with science, right? The, the Bible says that creation should point us to him. Okay, Romans 1.20 says, 
says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so the people are without excuse. Okay, Psalm 19, 1 through 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the earth. Okay, so you know, creation is very clearly pointing to, to a creator. And so we've got to ask ourselves, once creation points us to God, you know, what do we learn about God from Genesis? And it's important to remember as we're preaching through Genesis, we're still preaching the gospel, right? We're still preaching the good news of Jesus. We're still preaching Christ crucified and raised again. And so, you know, we'll cover one verse from Genesis and continue the overview. But Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then if you want, you can open up to John. We're going to be going around a few different places in John. But we'll start in John 1, 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning, In the beginning, God created the heaven, or uh, let me get there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Nothing was made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Okay, so who is the Word? Jesus. Jesus, right? As we're as going through this, you know, there's a lot of different ways we think about Jesus, right? Christmas time, we think of baby Jesus. Uh, Maybe we think of, of nice, friendly Jesus. Um, maybe you think of Jesus on the cross, uh, suffering and dying, being raised again. Um, but how often do we think of everything being made through Jesus? Right? And that's, that's astounding. Right? Um, and Jesus is all those things. Right? He created the universe. You know, the universe. Everything that exists came, came to be through Jesus, which is more power than we can begin to comprehend. That same Jesus decided to humble himself, to be born, to be born as a human baby with all those limitations, uh, on earth, you know, in, a, in a dirty manger, not in a palace to a king, which even that would have, would have been a uh, major step down. That same Jesus chose to lay down his life so that we could live, to be tortured and killed so that we could live. Uh, you know, for, for us people who look around at God's creation and still decide to live for ourselves instead of him. And, and we were made to live for him. Right? Colossians 1.16 says, For in him all things were created, things on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Right, so we were created for Jesus, but we have a choice to make. Uh, you know, we we can strive to live for ourselves. We can try to convince ourselves that we know what's best and that we know what we, we really need and want, or we can submit to the one true God and choose to believe God 
and, and trust God. And I guess this is as good as time as any. If you're here today and you, or you're hearing this online or wherever you are, if you don't already know Jesus as your Savior, uh, I would invite you to acknowledge Him today and you know, acknowledge the one true God and, and accept the life that He's offering us. Uh, John fifteen five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so the one who everything was created through uh, is inviting us into relationship with him. And, and he tells us straight up, we're not going to accomplish anything real and lasting apart from him. And, and so the, the one that the entire creation was made through is inviting us to be made whole in Jesus and to become a new creation. And, you know, that same power that created everything, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, is we're in, invited to have that living in us. Okay, Romans uh, 8, 9 to 11 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Right? That can also read the Spirit of Him who created everything lives in you. Because uh, same, same Jesus through whom everything was created is the same Jesus that was raised from the, the dead and defeated death. And, and we get this clear picture that God created all this stuff, and, and he loves you, right? And he, and he wants you to dwell with him. Um, so as we go through Genesis, let's remember that God, God existed already. Uh, he existed in relationship already. It's not like he was lonely. He already existed in relationship in the Trinity. And, and then he created everything else. And that means you were created, right? You were made with a purpose. And, and God made the universe because he wanted to, and, and he likes what he made. Uh, he also made you, and he likes you, right? You look at creation, and he keeps calling it good. He loves his people, and people were created in, in his image, right? Like, that's a really big deal. And and you see these, these things in creation that are just kind of not necessary, like beauty. Right? Beauty is not necessary for something to be functional. Um, but you see it all around us. Um, you see beauty in big things, like you look at the, the mountains or the, the night sky, and, and it's incredible. And then you can drill down to things, like small things like flowers, or even some, like smaller things that we can't even see with our, our, our eyes without help, right? That are still beautiful and complex. And you see this, that God created all this out of love and joy. And, and so it's important to, to acknowledge that the world is not an accident, right? And, and that you're not an accident. Uh, you know, and one, one challenging thing is we look around us in the world and sometimes we don't see beauty, right? Sometimes we see pain and suffering and, and evil and, and people doing horrible things and horrible things happening. And we will get to the reason for that stuff in Genesis. Um, but it's important to remember that also that, that God, a good God, 
made a good creation, and he's going to return it to good. Right? You look at, uh, at the creation account, right? Before God created people, he created this beautiful place for them to live, right? Full of life and beauty. And then, and then the people came on. And, and then we rejected God and, and, and started the curse. Um, but God still loves us, right? And God still had a plan in place to redeem us. And, and that plan for salvation was there before creation. Um, and so keep in mind, as, as the world is being created through Jesus, he already knew he was going to have to come and suffer and die for it. And yet he still chose to make it. Okay, Peter 1.20 says he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Right, so even with all the pain and suffering that was in the world, Jesus decided to enter in. Right, even with all the suffering, God still decided it was going to be worth it. And, and we can often wonder how that's possible, right? We experience pain and we see pain around us. We're like, why did God make it, right? Why, why was it worth it? Uh, and that's one of those times we just got to trust God knows what he's doing, right? He says we can't even imagine the joy and wonder prepared for those who love him. And, and so he does have a plan to redeem it and make it right. And that plan was in place since before the beginning, right? And, and you see this plan and organization throughout all of Scripture. It's, it's very consistent. Uh, for example, if you study just how Genesis and Revelation compare, that's another uh, fascinating thing to look into. Um, and so expect, you know, expect to hear a bit of Revelation over the next few months as we go through Genesis. Because you see this very clear pattern emerge of a plan in place. And part of that is the end mirrors the beginning. Uh, and part of that is because the end is not the end. You know, it's a new beginning. Okay, so just highlight a few examples. And there's, there's lots of these. But you know, Genesis 1.1, we have creation. Uh, Revelation 21.1, we have a new creation. In Genesis, we see paradise lost. In Revelation, paradise is regained. Okay, in Genesis, you have the curse. In Revelation, we're told no, no longer will there be any curse. Okay, in Genesis, people are removed from the, being able to eat from the tree of life. In Revelation, we're invited to the tree of life. Right, so it, it all comes full circle. And, and the point of it all is Jesus. Right? Jesus is in, in the center of it all. And in Genesis, we see that creation was done through Jesus. And then the redemption that's, that happens in Revelation is possible because of Jesus. Uh, and so, you know, let's remember as we go through Genesis that we see, we see God creating the world. We see God creating people. And, and we see him inviting us to join with him and to be redeemed. And you and I have the same invitation today that they had in Genesis, right? To, to walk with God, to work with God. And we have the same choice to make. Right? We can uh, decide God is God and, and let him be and submit to that. Or we can decide we want to be God. And so as, as we go through Genesis and um, creation, all these amazing things that happen, uh, you know, maybe we'll be able to stand in awe of God and, and worship him. And worship team, you can head on up. Uh, so John 6.29 says, Jesus answered, um, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And that's one of our challenges in Genesis, is believing, right? 
And, and it's one of the challenges as we got, walk through life is continuing to believe God and to trust him. Uh, Numbers chapter 11 talks about a time when uh, Israel was wandering through the desert after leaving Egypt, and they were miraculously giving, given manna to eat every morning. And the people started grumbling and complaining and saying, well, we don't want just manna, we want some meat. And so God said, all right, I'll give you meat every day for a month until you get sick of it. And even Moses questioned if such a thing was even possible. Right? And remember, these people had just seen the plagues in Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, you know, miracle after miracle. They're, I mean, every morning they're eating manna that just miraculously shows up. And yet they still have trouble believing. So in Numbers eleven twenty one to 23, Moses said, Here I am among 600,000 uh, 600, men on foot, which, you know, it would probably be like 2 million people total. And you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Right? So you hear this doubt. The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether God, whether or not what I say will come true for you. Okay? And so that's a question we have to answer for ourselves, right? Is the Lord's arm too short? You know, God made everything, right? Every atom, every proton, every neutron, every, everything that exists on any level, physical or spiritual or anything else in the entire universe, God made it all, right? Including time and space. I mean, time itself is something God made. And so God knows the bigger picture of all time. He knows the bigger picture of your life. And, and he cares about you, right? And he loves you and he wants good things for you. Uh, so let's believe God. Uh, let's acknowledge God and let's trust God and throw off the things of the world that are keeping us captive. And let's keep in mind that the same God we see in Genesis, right? The same God that created everything is the same God we serve today. And it's not like he used up his power in creation. Yeah, he still has all that power available to him and more. And, and the same God is inviting us to, to trust him. And we'll close with this. Uh, John chapter 17 records a prayer where, where Jesus prays for himself and then his disciples and then for all like future believers, which is you and I, right? People who would hear the words and, and come to believe. In verse five, he says, and now father glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. All right? So as Jesus is praying, he's, like remembering this glory he had with God before creation. That's, that's a pretty amazing thing. And then in verse 10, as he's praying for his disciples, he says, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. Right? So this God who had all this glory with God before creation still gets glory out of people. Right? That's, that's mind-blowing. And then in verse 24, as he's praying for, for us future believers. He says, I want, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me 
where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me before, because you love me before the creation of the world. Right? That's, that's Jesus praying for you and I that we would see that glory, that we would see who he is and be changed by it. And um, right, that, that, that's, that's the Jesus, right? Jesus who created everything and, and died and rose again. And, and he's praying that, that we would see his glory. And, you know, church, we are some part of something much bigger than we can even begin to comprehend. Um, and that's, that's cause for worship. So let's continue to uh, come up and, and wrap it up with response time. Okay, so in, in the book of Job, right, Job, where all these terrible things happen to him, right? And a lot of Job is him and his friends going back and forth about why did these things happen? And, and Job's demanding answers for all this uh, evil that's, that's come upon him. And then, then there's a few chapters where God responds. And, and God doesn't respond at all to answering Job's questions of why, why the things happen. What he did was talk about who he is, right? Who God is. And so Job's response to that in verse, uh, in chapter 42, verse 3, he says, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. And, and, and so I, you know, as, we, as we go through Genesis, maybe we just stand in awe of who God is and, and, and what he's done for us and, and accept that challenge to, to believe and to, to trust God even when we don't understand what's going on around us. Uh, so this is response time. Right? It's the time to, to reflect on the message, to, to pray. Right? There's people all around this room who would love to pray with you. Uh, I, I would love to pray with you. Johnny's right there. He'd love to pray with you. Um, and, and so get, get prayer. Like if, if, if there's a praise, if there's something you just want to thank God for, get somebody to pray with you. If you, if you need uh, help battling through something, get someone to pray with you. Whatever it is. You know, we have access to the Creator God. So let's not just act like that's not a big deal. Um, it's also time of joyful giving is another way we worship, right? It's a, a way of acknowledging that, that what we have is all ultimately from God anyway and giving back to Him. And then we have communion, right, that we take every week. And so as we, as we take communion, let's remember, right, the, the juice and the, the bread that we take with communion uh, is supposed to remind us of Jesus and, and what He did for us. And so let's remember today that we're taking communion with elements that were created through Jesus to represent that Jesus died for us and, and, was, and defeated death so that we could live and enjoy with him. Uh, so let's pray and then continue to worship. Uh, Lord, again, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for inviting us into your kingdom and for allowing us to, to walk with you and to be to live life with you and, and that we're not just out on our own. Lord, help us to, to live like that's true and to, and to believe you and trust you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.